With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Talk podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. I'm joined tonight by Mike Plank. How are you doing tonight, Mike? I am doing okay, Andy, but uh, we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll get to some things that we're both concerned about here shortly. So why don't you go ahead and start us off with wherever you wanted to start off. Yeah, sound, sounds good. So we actually have a full show tonight. We've got, uh, we've got a, an interesting announcement from the uh, KU and Missouri Athletic coming up. Uh, we also have a, a, an absolute disaster in uh, volleyball to talk about as well. Um, then we actually actually have a, a, a special interview I did um, earlier this week with the KU club hockey team head, head coach. We're going to go ahead and get that in here. I actually did that with, uh, with, with Fetch, so we'll jump into that. And then I think we'll wrap up with a, a short preview only short because I can't really think of too much to say about it of the uh, the Iowa State matchup coming up on Saturday. So let's go ahead and jump in first. Obviously, the big news breaking um, today actually that uh, Kansas and Missouri have pretty much all but wrapped up an exhibition game between the basketball teams that's supposed to be going for um, with all the proceeds going to char- charity, which I believe is going to be for hurricane relief. Um, I know you, you put an article out about this kind of saying that you don't really get the point of it. Um, I, I'm going to have you play devil's advocate for just a second. Can you think of, I mean, other than the charity angle, can you think of any real good reason why they would want to schedule a game like this? Specifically, you know, Kansas fans or, or Kansas athletic program or things like that. Yeah, I was going to say it, it, it depends entirely on your perspective and, I mean, frankly, which side of the border you're on. I know that, I don't know, all, most um, Missouri fans 
blame specifically Bill Self for the reason why they don't play it annually in the non-conference. Uh, but and so to me, it just seems odd that he's done this 180 suddenly. Oh, we'll play him in an exhibition. Like it just doesn't make sense to me, you know. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm just confused. I, I don't know what's going. On. I, I'm really hoping, Andy. I'm really hoping that they're just trolling us and that it's like the women's basketball teams or or something like that, you know, an alumni game or something. And that we're just missing an important detail on the, on the stuff that's coming out that, um, you know, who knows where supposedly we'll, we'll find out for sure on, uh, on Friday sometime morning, afternoon. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if they've even set a, a time for an announcement yet. Have they? No, no. And I think, my understanding is that they're waiting on an official announcement until they get the clearance from the NCAA because, of course, as with pretty much anything else in the NCAA, something like this has to, you you have to get a special waiver in order to do anything like this, even though the right because it's yeah because it's a I guess it's an NCAA bylaw or something that uh, Division One teams can't schedule exhibition matches against other Division One teams. So. Which, in a way, I mean, I can kind of understand that. You know, it's it's one of those things. Um, you don't really want them finding extra games and getting extra practice time. Or part of it too, I think, is just because you know they they get two exhibition games every single year, and if you use those with Division One teams, the the terms of those are a little less charitable for whoever's coming in to visit. Um, but not only that, it basically becomes two extra practice games against decent competition that you can play that don't count for anything. Um, I mean. I can understand why they don't want people doing this regularly. And so, you know, needing some sort of exception, you know, is, is probably understandable. But it also seems kind of like, you know, with the story that they had down at the University of Houston where they had all of this gear coming in and they had to get a special waiver in order to give it, to give that gear away to people because there could be potential recruits somewhere in the city that they would be giving that stuff to needing a special waiver for that when it makes absolutely no sense that they would, you know, have to restrict that, that kind of help. Um, it, it's par for the course for the NCAA. So, you know, this, this is the kind of thing, it's not like either team is really benefiting from it. You know, they're going to be basically from my, my understanding is they'd be putting up the expenses to get there and all the proceeds from there would go directly to hurricane relief other than, you know, to pay for like lights for the building and things like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, so uh, financially, like charitably, the the game makes sense. What I really want to see, because honestly, I think this is going to happen, and the only thing I could understand, or the only reason I think this would make any sense and would be absolutely a perfect move on Bill Self's part, is if he treated this as, as like he did in the game, the games we had over in Italy, where essentially he just plays all, you know, the B lineup, all these transfers. And I'm not sure what the rules are for exhibition games, if they're even allowed to suit those guys up. But I would just love to see, you know, Missouri's rolling out their A squad there. You're going to see Michael Porter Jr. You're going to see all these guys there. And we, you know, play Sam Cunliffe and we play the Lawson Twins. And, you know, play all these guys that we're not going to see at all this year, typically. As, you know, just kind of a big middle finger to, to Missouri. It's like, we'll play you. But we're going to play guys that, you know, this is the only reason that they can play because it's an exhibition. So that I would absolutely love the move if they were to do that. Like, I think it would be absolutely hilarious. And I would write an article about that immediately, just how much fun that was. Um, but more realistically, I think where he's going to treat this a lot like a regular game, 
um, you know, if, 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 if the whole event gets treated kind of like an all-star game or an exhibition, kind of like a, just a fun thing, then I don't know that I necessarily have a problem with Bill Self agreeing to this. But if we treat this like it's a, an actual exhibition, warm-up game, you know, getting ready for the season, it, it basically justifies or gives, gives Missouri the reward that they've always been looking for. But even better is that it's not going to count on their record when we beat them. So um, they, they kind of get the best of all worlds because they don't have to come to KU to do it. You know, they don't, they, they actually get to play them. If they beat us, they get all of the, all of the accolades for it. And, you know, talking about how, how great of a team they are and it legitimizes their, their team in their supposed final four run that they're going to have this year. I haven't heard enough about that apparently. Um, you know, and it, and if they lose, oh, well, it was just an exhibition game. You know, we weren't taking it seriously. It's no big deal. So. All right. Well, first of all, Missouri's not making a Final Four this year. Oh, I know. All right. And, they all and uh, they, just, so, that, just so everybody understands my stance on this, and I think I may have even commented on this a month or so ago, but here, here are the reasons why. Just real quick, I'll talk Missouri basketball. Where's CDOT when you need it? I'll talk Missouri basketball. <laughs> so the, everybody says, Michael Porter Jr., number one overall pick. Great. What are the last two number one overall picks do in college? They did bubkis. Markel Fultz went 9-22 and last year, and he was surrounded by four-star players, which is something that Missouri does not have right now. And that team got whooped every game in the Pac-12 or 10 or 14 or whatever the hell they call themselves now, right? And so then Ben Simmons the year before that, LSU, yeah, they went 19-14. and They had a winning record in the SEC, but after they got whooped in the conference tournament, they declined every postseason invite. Both of those conferences, first of all, are terrible basketball conferences. Uh, so, no, I don't think one player or two players, I think they have two top 100 players, two top 150 players, something like that. Two good players, or in Washington's case, a whole roster full of four- and five-star recruits does not guarantee a good team. So you, you take these two good players, good recruits that have never played college basketball before, you give them with the crappy guards that Missouri had last year that are coming back, and, I, like, I'm just not sold. But then you add on top of that that Kwanzaa Martin has two NCAA tournament appearances in nine years as a head coach. So I don't get where all this optimism is coming from. You look at these facts and you're just like, oh, yeah, Missouri's winning 25 games. No, no, they're not winning 25 games this year. Or at least I really hope they don't because, like, that's just a ridiculous prediction. I just – I don't see how they win 20 games. But that's just me, you know, looking at things – admittedly from a bias and slanted point of view, but I, I feel these are facts that are relevant too. So they're not, they, they may not even make the NCAA tournament. The last two number one picks didn't even make the NCAA, didn't even make the CBI. So, you know, when your first, you know, how about you beat Iowa State at home in, in your first game and, and then maybe we can talk, you know, 18 or 20 wins and see what happens from there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they've got a good shot at getting about 20, but I think that says a lot more about the state of SEC basketball than it does about Missouri. Exactly. They're going to pile up wins against Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Alabama and um, LSU and all these crappy SEC teams. Like, it's ridiculous. I, I could see them getting 20 wins, though, getting an eight, an, an eight or nine seed and then flaming out in the you know second round of the tournament or something. Um, mainly just because, you know, they're going to have, you know, they've got Michael Porter Jr., they've got his brother, they've got all these guys that are coming in that are getting hyped. Um, and so, you know, with benefit of the doubt, the players that people want to see, if there's any shot that they're on the bubble, they're going to find a way to get them in. You know, I'm not really too concerned about that. But 
Obviously, yeah, I, I don't believe they're going to get anywhere near the Final Four, but of course, you know, I, I, I have, it's kind of funny, I think I have more Missouri fans that follow me on Twitter than Kansas fans, and I don't really have a lot of people following me on Twitter, so I hear all the time about just how, you know, how good the Missouri team's going to be, and, and we're so scared to play them, and if we play them, then they would wipe the floor with us this year, and all that fun stuff. Yeah, good, good luck with that. Right, Fires. right. Well, you know, and, and, and that's, of course, why I think the exhibition, the exhibition thing would be so funny if, you know, we sent out our, our B team, all of our transfers that aren't actually eligible to play this year while they're sending out their star lineup. Because, sure, I'm guessing that we probably would lose if we did that just because, you know, we've got a bunch of young guys or a bunch of guys that aren't familiar with the system. But, I mean, it would almost be like, yeah, sure, we let you win because it's supposed to be a fun game. It's not really supposed to mean anything, right? And, of course, I mean, it would be the ultimate troll job, but Bill Self is, like, he's too competitive. He's not going to do that. Well, true, true. Yeah. I mean, I would I – would, or even if he just, you know, started with that lineup and then 10 minutes in, put in everybody else, and then we wipe the floor with them. I, I would love to see that even. So, All right. Well, I don't know that I want to dwell too much on that. I mean, you've already said your piece there. I'm not really seeing too much of an upside to actually playing it, although I will say – if they were going to play, I would much rather it be in this sort of setting. You know, the, the one thing I will ask you, though, that we haven't really talked about yet is, you know, it was it was kind of big discussion back in the summer when uh, CDOT put out his comments about, you know, Bill Self and the greatest mind trick ever. Um, and then, you know, even when we stopped playing Missouri in all the sports after they decided to leave, um, the donors all made really a big fuss about how, you know, we better not ever play Missouri again. And if we do, we're going to pull all of our support. Um, do you think a game like this would count for them? I mean, it's not oh, yeah. really meaning anything. Yeah, It's not like we're going to give Missouri what they want. But, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind no, of torn on this. No, could see Andy, they're, getting, they're getting exactly what they want. They're not making any money off of it. But us playing Missouri is Missouri winning them automatically. Like, it's – it's, it's them getting what they want. They, they, they want a presence in Kansas City. They want to play ball games here. They want to connect to their alumni here. And, you know, and yeah, hey, we're going to play Kansas at Sprint. They're going to build it as we're playing Kansas at Sprint Center. They're not even going to talk about being an exhibition. Like, it's going to be their Super Bowl. Because, like, kind of like we've already talked about, like, I don't expect them to do much in the postseason. So, like, this is going to be their national title game. If they win this game, they don't care what happens the rest of the season. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, I, I guess I guess my question is, do you see this being something that upsets the donors enough that it causes the problem? Because I think I, if there's enough enough of that pushback there, that that may cause a problem. Um, you know, that may end up derailing the game. They may – they may be saying publicly that, you know, they're willing to do something like this for hurricane relief, but privately lobbying the NCAA to say, no, sorry, we can't grant the waiver. Um, you know, if, I mean, it might, it's not going to stop the game, but it might cost some certain athletic director his job. Well, then in that case, let's play it tomorrow. <laughs> if that's what it takes to get oh, there, oh. I would play Missouri, you know, for four exhibition games. Let's just Good point. Good point. Yeah. Let's just play the best of seven and, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, but I mean, it is, it is an interesting thing to think about. And I, I think that's probably what we should keep an eye on for the next week or so is, you know, what was kind of, what, what pushed us into this? Is it something 
that, you know, Zinger got the, the backing of certain influential donors first. And I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised to hear the answers. No, that he just decided, Hey, this will make me look good. This is another way to kind of connect with the fans who keep talking about wanting to play Missouri, which, you know, there are, there are quite a few fans, but there are enough fans that are saying absolutely not that I'm not sure why he's listening to particular ones over others. Um, so, I, it, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see if this leads to any kind of issues with the donors. And, you know, if the donors turn on him, then it won't take very long, I think, for him to be out of here. No, I totally agree with that. And honestly, I kind of hope that's the case. I mean, I've, I'm sick of the Zinger regime. I, it's yeah. well overdue for a change. I mean, he should have been fired the same day they fired Charlie Weiss, or at least the day after. But, uh but, yeah, I guess I can't disagree with too much of that. I mean, thinking about that, you know, we've, we've actually been talking, and every time I brought it up, I keep thinking that he was the one that hired Turner Gill. Um, you know, I've been mistakenly saying that, that, you know, he's on his third coach that he's hired. Mm. In, in actual, well, he's fired three coaches. Right. He, he fired Turner Gill. The guy that hired Turner Gill. Um, but, you know, Zenger also let him stay around at least for an extra year. Uh, when he probably shouldn't have. I mean, I understand you don't want to fire a guy after just a year, but the problems that Turner Gill had were readily apparent when Zinger first came in. He should have known better, and the fact that he, you know, hired Weiss and is having the problems that he's having now makes it at least reasonable to say, well, that fits in the pattern that he wasn't able to recognize what the issues were. So, um, but but even then, I mean, he's on he's on the third coach. He yeah, he fired Turner Gill. He hired the horrible replacement fired that horrible replacement and now has a guy that's not really necessarily working out. I mean, this is a move I think that burns some bridges. You know, I'm, I'm hearing rumblings one, both, you know, multiple ways. Some the saying that some of the donors don't really care. And some that are saying that the donors are really upset about this. So I don't, I don't know enough people personally to say with any confidence one way or another, but you know, I've heard enough to say that this could potentially be an issue. So I'll be real interested to see, you know, what kind of led to this thought process of setting this game up? I'm not sure we'll ever actually find out, but I would I would be fascinated to kind of be a fly on the wall when he decided this um, or what brought him to this. Because ultimately, I think, you know, as much as we talked about how bad the football team is, this may ultimately be the thing that ends his tenure as the AD here at KU. Well, we can only hope. And I don't, I don't know any – well, I don't know that I know any <laughs> any big dollar donors. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm the the lowest of the low that you can get on that totem pole. You know, I just do the bare minimum, just to you know be on the list, as it were. And uh, and I mean, I'm upset about it. So I assume that at least half of the of Kansas fans feel the same way. Now it could all change. Uh, you know, Bill Self could have a press conference tomorrow and be like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great for our program, and here's why, and, and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, that's going to that's gonna sell 80 90% of the Kansas fan base on it right there if Bill Self comes out and publicly supports it. But if he doesn't release any kind of statement or tweet anything or have some kind of a press conference, which I don't know how he could get out of it. I think he's going to have to say something to reporters at some point, right? But, um, yeah, but I, I just – I'll be interested to see if he seems sincere, I guess, when they get to question him about it. This is back to a Bill Self quote. When he was asked the last time about, you know, playing Missouri, and he basically said, well, 
if someone told me that I have to play them, then I'll go ahead and play them. You know, that was kind of his, that's the only way I'm going to go ahead and play them at this point is if someone tells me I have to, either, you know, through postseason or like the Big 12 SEC Challenge or something to that effect. If he comes out and says, look, you know, I said when I was told I had to play them, I had to play them, and I'm going to go ahead and do it. If that's his statement when he comes out and says something, that immediately tells you he's not on board with it, but he's not going to, He's not going to immediately make the athletic director look bad in doing it, especially when it's related to charity. Um, but if he comes out in full support and says, yeah, you know, this is a great idea. This is a great way for us to kind of help out with the hurricane relief efforts and, you know, a good way for our guys to get some extra exposure at the beginning of the year, get some extra practice and hopefully get a jump on the season, that would sell the fan base on it. But I think, you know, him just coming out and saying, yeah, we're going to go ahead and do it isn't enough, I think, to make it so that people are going to be okay with it. If, if he has to get enthusiastically, I think, behind it. Um, otherwise, yeah, there's just, I mean, there's enough, there's still enough resentment against Missouri at this point that I, I don't I don't know that he's going to get a big portion of the fan base behind it unless Bill Stealth can outline the reasons and do it convincingly as to why they should be doing it at this point. All right, well, I think we've talked enough about a, an exhibition basketball game. Um, let's go ahead and jump real, real quick. Uh, we are going to go ahead and take a break here in just a minute. Um, and, and we'll go ahead and get you that, uh, that interview with the, with the KU hockey coach. But first, uh, last night, Kansas hosted Texas in what's supposed to be one of the, the, the first of two, uh, super matchups between the top two big 12 volleyball schools. Um, you know, it was a little bit of a heartbreaker. I, I, I watched a good portion of the game, but it was on late enough here that I wasn't able to make it through the whole thing. Um, you were there though, Mike, I mean, what was the atmosphere like? Um, if you want to talk a little bit just about that ending there and how, how horrible it was for us, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, it was, I, it was definitely a, a tough matchup, uh, just to watch, I guess, as a fan. Um, it really, I mean, I, I kind of hate to be this way with, you know, some of the, the, with any sport other than football or men's basketball, basically. But I mean, the girl, you also have to keep in mind, like the girls are athletes, they're competitors, they're on scholarship, like, the same standards should probably apply to them. And I shouldn't worry about, you know, hurting feelings or whatever, but like, I mean, they blew the game. They blew it. Um, they had Texas, they had them twice, two separate occasions and they just, they just blew it. Now, part of that, Texas is really good. I mean, they've done a top five team all year. They were preseason number one. Their only losses are to top 10 teams. Uh, like they are. And, and they clearly for the last, what, 10, 15, 20 years have been, you know, the class, the upper upper tier of women's college volleyball. So it's not, you know, we're not just talking about a random team here. We're talking about a team that has been there before, played on the biggest stages, and they're used to this type of environment. Yeah. But that said, that said Kansas had them. Like, it should have been a three-set sweep for KU. For most of the first three sets, KU was clearly, I thought, was clearly the better team outside of about a 10-point ten point, um, 10 point uh, exchange, I guess, in the second set when Texas came back and won that second set. It, I mean, if they're able to stem that, and even then, KU had a set point in that second set. They could have taken that second set, gone up 2-0, and then assuming the third set plays out the same way, which is you can't really assume that, I guess, but assuming that happens, then KU's looking at a three-set sweep of the number five team in the country and one of the most premier teams in the nation. 
but yeah, so dropping that second set was, I mean, they blew that. They were up 22-18. You know, you only have to win three more points, and Texas went seven, and, and then KU had a set point at, I think, 25-24, and then Texas won three in a row or something like that. But, so yeah, the second set was tough to swallow. Uh, and then KU goes out and wins the third set, but then they just get smoked in the fourth set. I have no idea what happened there. And then it looked like it was going to be a bad fifth set, but KU came back in the fifth set and even took a late lead and had a match point. I think is I think it was at 15-14 or, or 16-15, one of those. They had a match point, but they, they couldn't get that one either. And then Texas won three in a row and won the match in five. So, I mean, it was, it was, it was a great atmosphere. Uh, I don't know. The, the person that runs our, our Rock Chalk Talk Twitter did a great job, I thought, uh, you know, tweeting during the game last night and talking about the atmosphere and what was going on and that type of thing. But, uh, uh, so, yeah, the atmosphere was, the atmosphere was great. Uh, it, it, was, it was a fun time until, you know, the last <laughs> 30 seconds or whatever. Uh, but, uh, but uh, yeah, incredible atmosphere. It, it ended up being a good game, but it really should have been. KU was the better team for over half of the match. And uh, I honestly think they're going to have to go get an upset in Austin. Uh, I think they definitely have the talent to do it, you know, based on the way they played for most of the night. They, I think they're as good and possibly better than Texas. It just didn't come out on the scoreboard. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I, I think they, the, the Big 12 is good enough this year that, you know, I think even more important than going in and getting a win at Texas is just making sure that they don't trip up anywhere else because Iowa State's a good, a good squad. Um, Kansas State is, I mean, decent, but I'm not expecting them, you know, to be world beaters by any means. Um, but they could sneak up and, and get a school like Texas or, or Kansas that isn't paying attention on the, on the return match. Um, you know, West Virginia is definitely improving. Baylor's been a pretty good squad most of the year. So the Big 12 has enough, you know, dom- or a, a, enough competent teams that, you know, while we definitely want to try to get that one against Texas, I think what's more important is that we have to make sure we don't lose anywhere else because it, it could easily get to the point where that doesn't matter or there could be enough teams to trip up Texas that maybe, you know, them winning in Austin too will allow them to to to, to tie it back up. So, I, I mean, I could see there being enough kind of parity in the league or enough, um, you know, teams that could jump up and bite someone that maybe – you know, we, we need to pay a lot of attention to those, too. It's not all going to come down to that match against Texas and Austin. So. It's, it's possible. It's definitely a tougher league than it was last year. Iowa State's a top-20 team. Baylor's in the top-25 now. Uh, so those two can definitely get you, especially on their home floors. Uh, and last year, Texas lost to a not-very-good TCU team, which is how KU won the conference outright because we split with Texas last year. Okay. So I, th- I still think we really need to go down – to Austin and get the equalizer there, and then it's going to be whoever trips up during the rest of conference play, I think, and that's that's who's going to determine the conference champion this year. Yeah, and it was weird. I mean, I was watching that match um, with my wife, actually, and she had made a comment in that second set, you know, about how, oh, well, Texas looks like they're coming back, but really, and you know, in all actuality, when she said that, you know, Kansas had jumped out to like a four-point lead, I think, in that second set, and then Texas got it within two, and then they just kept trading points the rest of the way. And so that was – I think it was like they were at like 18, 16 or something like that. And she's like, well, Texas is coming back. I'm like, no, actually, they've just been trading points. And then not too much later after that, all of a sudden, you know, Texas makes a big run there and yep. and, and then yep. finishing off the set. And it's just 
that turn so quickly. And I guess, I mean, that's the way that volleyball is a lot of times. It's not, you know, it's, it's not really intuitive in a lot of cases where all of a sudden someone just goes on a huge run like that. And, yeah, that fourth set was just ridiculous. Um, you know, I, yeah, well, and, and it is. And to your point, look at the difference between the third set and the fourth set. KU, um, KU handled the fourth set pretty well. I think they won at 25-18. Now, but yeah. Texas handled the fourth set even better in, in reverse. But, it, it, you know, just the difference between back-to-back sets was – pretty stark so yeah things definitely turn on a dime on that volleyball court yep all right well hopefully you know we get we get turned around there pretty quickly so um before we jump into the football preview we are going to go ahead and take a quick break uh when we come back from the break i will actually be joined by uh by fetch and uh andy mcconnell from the uh he's the head coach of the ku uh jayhawk hockey club team um, the club team isn't actually one that's directly sponsored by the athletic department. So he'll, he'll actually get into kind of the details of that. But uh, definitely stick around for that. And then after that, we'll be back and we'll be talking about the, uh, the Iowa State game that's coming up on Saturday. So uh, we, we will be right back on the Rock Chalk Talk podcast. This is Andy Metz. I'm here uh, with Steve Fetch, and we are also talking with uh, Andy McConnell, the head coach of the Jayhawk Hockey Club team. Andy, how, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Um, I want to say thanks for having us on. This is, uh, this is, we're looking forward to talking with you guys. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think actually we were first approached by, uh, I believe it was uh, Jimmy Samuels last year about having you yep. on, and we were, we're just never able to make it work, but we. We definitely wanted to kind of get involved a little bit sooner this year. I know, I know Fetch is a big hockey fan, and I kind of love all sports, and you know, I've been trying to get to learn a little bit more about hockey and kind of get more involved in that. So this is the perfect opportunity for us. So awesome. First, first question I wanted to ask you, Andy, is um, can you kind of explain a little bit about the, the, the hockey club team? Obviously, being a club team is not an official, um, you know, athletic department-sponsored right. Uh, team. So just kind of, you know, how, how the team came to be, um, kind of how you guys work and, and find games and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there, it's kind of been off and on the past, uh, I, I, as far as I know, uh, the last decade, there's been a club team. Um, I actually, I graduated in 2015 and played on a, the original one um, before it folded my freshman year. Um, so there's kind of been uh you know, a popularity of the sport at the school and there's been a club team. Um, like you said, as far as, as sports go, it's, it's a club of, you know, it's just, so it's a school affiliate, but it's, it's, uh, and we participate in the ACHA, um, league, which is a national league. Um, so, it, you know, KU has this abundance of, of Northern, um, state, hockey or um, students and so with that there's been always kind of a a buzzing popularity of of hockey fans but with no real hockey um you know school sponsored uh, sport and no ranks really um to speak of so i remember um when the original team folded um it had been about a year and 
I had just kind of led it to be that it was done. Um, a lot of the players that were on the original team were on doing their older thing, other things with school. And um, I met a kid named Rhett Johnston, um, and we kind of started talking in class. Um, it was actually Spanish class in, uh, because we both played hockey, and so just kind of one of those hi, what's your name kind of deals. And my little brother um, was actually coming, and so we had this kind of group of hockey players that wanted to continue to play hockey um, at the school but really didn't know, you know, how to go about it. So we, we reformed, and that would have been, I think, 2012, and um, we've been kind of growing it ever since. Um, you know, it's it started out, and, and being a club, you know, you can – it, it kind of has to take a back – uh, stage or back, you know, path to academics because at the end of the day, there's really no support system that we have in place to help, like as an like an NCAA player would have, um, you know, tutors and stuff. And, and being club, it's it's um, a little more relaxed, but at the same time, um, you know, the students are still there to be going to school and play hockey is kind of a Hey, this is what I do. I'm the, you know, it's my passion. This is what I enjoy. Um, and so I play it. Um, so it, it's kind of a mixture of competitive, um, fun. Um, I, that's kind of how the best way to describe it because while we still show up and we expect to win and we're improving and getting, you know, you're still at the end of the day, it, it's not as uber competitive as would say an NCAA student, if that makes sense. I don't want to downgrade the club because we have a, a lot of highly skilled players, but at the same time, it, it's more, uh, it's a mixture of fun and, and, and competitiveness. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fair. I mean, it, it sounds like also kind of one of the big roadblocks is that there's just not any professional hockey in the area. So you don't have right support generally in the area as you would, you know, in, in, in some of the Northern schools. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, having uh, having a team. I mean, we there's a small youth base um, of hockey, and it's and and there's been a resurgence of them trying. I know uh, the Hunts are trying to get you know a, a growth. There's been talks about getting a USHL team out south and and kind of growing that. But yeah, right now it's. I mean, there's three rinks in the area, and they're all within an hour from each other. So it's that's kind of your your uh, barriers to entry as far as. Yeah. Uh, putting together a team. Well, I'm going to let you go ahead and jump in. What, what kind oh, yeah, that's, that's fine. Um, so, like like I mentioned, you know, off uh, before we got on air, uh, you know, I'm originally from North Dakota, so I'm a big uh, hockey Absolutely. fan. I actually uh, did my undergrad at the University of North Dakota, which is, uh, you know, for, yeah, for lack of a better, you know, explainer, kind of the KU basketball of college hockey. So, Absolutely. Uh, so I'm a big fan and, and I, you know, know a little bit about kind of the tiers below it and everything. And so I was looking at your guys' roster and, um, you know, some of these guys come from places where I, I wouldn't expect club players to come from, like really legitimate, uh, you know, U18 and, and AAA programs and stuff like that. And so I was wondering, are these people who uh, you kind of contact before they get to school or, you know, do, do you guys actively recruit or is it they have to kind of show interest first and then that's how you kind of get in touch with them right so um it's kind of been growing as we've been becoming more and more uh, established as a program um becoming a club what a couple of things it does for you is it connects you with the school 
So when they're enrolling, you know, they get these um, questionnaires like, what are you uh, interested in? And so now we're on that. So everybody that's interested in hockey, um, that's about as far as it goes. So that we get that list and that helps with our recruitment. We, we go and contact those people and you can kind of get a background um, from that. Um, a lot of the AAA players, it, as you know, I'm sure hockey is a pretty small knit community. And when you start playing at those higher levels, you start to know um, quite a few players and where they're going and what their track is. So using the networks of the players, we've been able to uh, help recruit. Um, as I said earlier, like my little brother um, played for Russell Stover AAA. And so he brought in just from his network and, and players that he had played with quite a few um, of those higher level um, players. And then with you, it's just almost like a snowball effect, you know, as you start to gain um, popularity, those higher level players kind of start to see, hey, okay, I'm, I'm not going to go play D1, but I want to go to school and okay, they have a hockey program. Oh, wow. This is, you know, these are players that I've played with. And then we will usually um, reach out to them and say, Hey, you know, you want to come to a practice or come, um, we've been trying to really step up our social media with videos to show just kind of the level um, of play that we play at to, to kind of help um, uh, attract those kind of players. But yeah, like you said, there's a, there's a lot, I mean, and we're kind of all over the nation. Um, we got a kid freshman, um, Andrew Fisher that played in Virginia, which uh, that kind of blew me away. He's a solid defenseman. And then we just picked up a kid who just got finished playing up in um, Canada, USHL, or the B in the BC, but he played in the USHL. So we have like a very wide range from from that who was going to go D1 to, you know, you have high, Minnesota high school hockey, which is AAA caliber, but, you know, you just don't have that, it, just different leagues and stuff. So it's, it's been a real fun um, kind of course of events that has happened. We're starting to get into our recruitment a little better where um, we get those lists or um, we hear about students that are maybe coming and I have been in contact and try to reach out to them early um, in spring following or prior to the following semester and, and meet with them and really meet with their parents um, and kind of give them, you know, our elevator pitch on the team and why we, we think, you know, playing club hockey at KU is, is an excellent choice. So. Sure. And, and I guess, you know, not to belabor the, the youth hockey thing, you know, we'll, we'll get to the actual club here, I promise, but, no, yeah, um, go for it. you know, one, one other thing I guess that I wanted to ask is just kind of how is the, you know, the youth hockey uh, scene down there progressing? I mean, I know you mentioned the hunts trying to get a USHL team down there. Um, you know, I, I know that. So I went to law school down there. And when I was there, um, the uh, the icebreaker, which um, I guess quick background kind of kicks off the uh, college hockey season uh, for Division One, was in Kansas City that year or one of the years when I was down there. And so I went and I mean, there were, you know, maybe 200 people there. I mean, it was it was pretty sparsely attended. Um, and so. I guess, but, you know, that said, you know, with Nebraska-Omaha being a few hours away and they're a, a good program now and 
and they have a couple of USHL teams in the area. I mean, has the has the scene grown a little bit in the last few years, or is it is it still pretty tough to you know if you're a high school kid in Kansas City, uh, is it pretty tough to find a, a team to play for? I think I think it is growing. I know at one point we had, like I said, the AAA program. Um, I grew up playing in Kansas City, so and there's a there's a really solid out of uh, it's Kansas City Ice uh, Sports or it was Ice Sports uh, off Johnson Drive. Um, KCIC is what it is, and they have a pretty competitive uh, high school program that travels. It's in the it's in the Midwest uh, High School Hockey League, which is essentially Double A, um, and I think they do some Triple A tournaments. And those kids are are good hockey players, but uh, you know, with the and I and then there's the Mavs Elite out of Independence that uh, that that's a Triple A program, I believe. Um, so it's there. It's but it's it is so. I don't want to say divided. It's just kind of a. It's just not in front of everybody, you know. And Independence, and then Johnson Drive, which those are, they're just kind of so spread out. Where you go across the state to St. Louis, and all of a sudden you have every single town has a rink and has a highly competitive high school program along with their um, travel teams, you know. And then you get the best of those teams. It, so it really comes down to just some more ice. Um, but I wouldn't say it. It's down it's just smaller it's a smaller market um i think if anything it is growing in popularity it's it's getting harder and harder to find ice what little ice there is so um and then you know i think popularity of the sport in general has grown too so it's there it's just needing the infrastructure to support it if that makes sense um you know getting another rink or getting um another program set up to where it could facilitate the popularity growth of the of the of the sport. Sure. So you mentioned a little bit earlier about uh, you know the the travel and and all that stuff, and mm-hmm. um, obviously that's I'm sure uh, a difficulty in terms of being a club team versus like a varsity team. Um, you know, what are some of the other uh, I guess disadvantages or or things that you know we might not think about, I mean, I, you know, traveling an hour, you know, to a, a home game would be something that would be unheard of for a, for a varsity team. So what are some of those kind of challenges that come from, you know, being a club team and, and what are some ways even that, you know, the, the KU community or, or just fans at large can, can help you guys out with or whatever to, to help get over some of those challenges. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's kind of, a lot of money i mean that's kind of one and i don't want to but we make it work um it's just an expensive sport uh unlike other club sports where most of them take place on a field uh, ours requires ice um and it is uh the travel it's not as bad as you would think um but it, it just becomes you get in a schedule and you get in a rhythm and you get it down and, and, and you make it work um but really what it comes what the biggest difficulty being student run and student funded, it, it can get expensive in a hurry. Um, you know, and, and I think that's probably the biggest, the challenge is just trying to really, if you want growth, you need capital. And, um, since it's being paid out of the pockets of the players, we try to keep it uh, as cheap as possible. We get some, some money from the school and we, we've been doing a lot better, um, our exec club or our exec members have really been doing a good job this year. Um, 
really staying on top of the student uh, requirements to help us get money from the school. You know, there's we play on the ice, but off the ice, being a part of the sports clubs, they keep you in check, and there's a lot of mandatory things you got to do. And last year, we were kind of rushing to, to get all this figured out. It's been a learning curve for sure. Um, and being student run with between your classes, your social, um, you know, obligations. If you're in a fraternity, there's a lot of Greek life on our, on our team and then playing hockey. It, you know, boys are learning real quick how to time manage, um, and making sure that we we're held accountable to all the requirements that the club sports asks of us. And so that we can get more money, um, from the school, which helps pay for the ice. I mean, every home game series is $2,000. Um, wow. So that alone, you know, it's to pay for the ice, the refs, um, everything is, and, and it just, it adds up in a hurry. So I think that's one thing that kind of people maybe forget is that, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's probably the most expensive club sport, um, you know, that that's there and, and would be probably most expensive sport um NCAA I don't know the numbers I know football can get up there in a hurry too so yeah uh, yeah you know thinking about how many people there are compared yeah to, I mean it, it hockey does tend to have quite a few people on the roster though when you compare it to like a basketball team or something like yes, that. yes exactly it does okay. and that's what's been nice right so. yeah so yeah I definitely understand that actually so you kind of talked about the the, the cost of the uh you know, the home series and everything. Um, does I mean, how much does that play in terms of scheduling? And, and how do you guys get your scheduling done in general? Is that something – you said you're a part of the ACHA. Like, is right. that something where they um, are kind of directing that, that scheduling process? Or do you, as a staff, reach out to other universities, club teams to, to get games scheduled? Or, or how, how does all that work? Um, it is it, – so far, the way we've done it is uh, me, it, that's on the coaches, me and my assistant coaching staff, we reach out as soon as our season was done. We've been lucky enough to have some really great teams in our division. So we're in the Pacific Division, which um, is Arkansas, um, Creighton, Dort, um, Nebraska, and then there's some, you know, there's Air Force, there's, there's all, I think there's 30 plus teams. So you have this abundance of teams, and, and we've started out playing quite a few, so we have that relationship that we just know at the end of the season we get together, or like we're going up to Arkansas next weekend, and we'll sit down with the coaches after the series and say, hey, let's schedule for next year. Um, this year we reached out to a multitude of teams, including Nebraska, um, Washington University out of St. Louis, um, we had they had reached out to us. it's a mixture of just communicating with the coaches that are in your league um, to put together a schedule and there's not it's it's not as difficult because there's there's really not that many weekends if that makes sense I mean it's a long season but I think at the end of the day there's you know we played I think we'll have six or seven this semester and then five next semester um, so pretty quick you get, and then if you play a home and away game series with a team, you know, that's, that's two weekends. That's, uh, that's a good chunk here. And you have four teams that you're doing that with. It, it, it fills up pretty quick. 
and the coaches have been really cool. Um, we're actually in a group chat with all the coaches that are in our division. So um, the communication is, is pretty, pretty good between them all and, and filling up those spaces. It's, and, and you want to put together our thing going into the season is last season, we saw a lot of success um, with the club and, and realized, okay, we're, you know, we're pretty good. And the, we actually talked to the team, Hey, was this enough games? Would you guys want more? It's a, it's a communication with the team too, because, you know, they don't want to be as it's a mixture like fall break. We tried to schedule games last game last year and it just didn't work. I mean, you know, everybody goes home, go figure. Um, so it's a communication with the team, with the boys saying, Hey, what do you guys want? They said they wanted more. And so we got more and we got a, a more difficult schedule. Um, in fact, we were, we were in the running for, for most difficult schedule, which helps with your postseason um, play. That's one of the requirements that are voting requirements for going to regionals or nationals. Um, your spots is uh, your difficulty of, of schedule. So we tried to communicate. A question which I was going to ask yeah. was about the postseason. I mean, how is that determined? Is it, is it kind of like a right. selection process where they take a look at everyone in each region and then determine who goes or – Right. So it's um, the first two teams in each region go automatically to nationals and then the following eight go to regionals to fight for. And then the two winners of the regional tournament go to nationals. So four of each division go to the national tournament. And um, it is it's voted on by wins um, games. You, it's 16 games you can put together your best games and the wins win loss um, percentage of those games. So you have to play in a minimum of 16 games against um, division, uh, division teams. And then the difficulty of those teams of that schedule and then your win loss percentage of that. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like it. So we're hoping. We're hoping that somewhat like I said, a process, but yeah, it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I was looking over the schedule and, you know, you have home and home series against, uh, let's see, Creighton and Arkansas. Uh, and then it looks like Missouri. So, yeah. you know, I, I think, I think honestly, you guys are the only school, at least semi-sponsored teams that has the, the border war still active at this point. So uh, yeah. is, is that something you guys have been doing for a while? Is that like probably the one, the one game you have? And actually I even see the end of the season, you guys are scheduled for an official border showdown competition there. So um, is that one separate from your normal league schedule or, or is yes. It, okay. Correct. Yeah. It, uh, that's kind of a, in the in the eyes of the game, it's a it's a showcase game or a um, exhibition. Yeah, the exhibition game exactly. So we we usually schedule that with Mizzou. We do a home and away series, and then we you know schedule that. It's been great since we restarted the club. Um, it's great for both programs, both just uh, revenue generator, and then two just uh, to boost the popularity of the sport and of the club. Um, so we've been doing it for the last. Uh, four, four or five years um, since we really started it. Um, and really, it's gaining more and more popularity as we do it every year. I think last year we had um, 20, a little over 2,100 uh, tickets sold. 
So for a club event, for a club sport, it was pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. The boys, it's a fun one to play in. It's a, it's, you get a little taste of the show. They do the whole, um, you know, production lights and, and replays and, and everything. So it's, it's a really fun one to, to play in. And then to have it be against Mizzou, still have that kind of, uh, competition that, that, you know, that's dates back hundred, hundred plus years. It, it's really, really neat. Yeah, definitely. Makes me wish I was still in the KC area to come and watch it. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I guess just one final question for you at this point. Um, what, I mean, I, I'm looking around on your website and I, and I do see, you know, there's a lot of different places where it says that, that people can get involved. So what, what ways can people get involved? Obviously not, you know, donating money is, is, is one, but what other kind of ways can, can people show their support for the team? Absolutely. Um, we're always looking for volunteers and for help, um, student and non-student, um, in any way, you know, to, to kind of help grow this club. Um, the best way I would say is to email us at jhawkhockey uh, at gmail, jhawkhockey at gmail.com. Um, and, or I think there is a, there's a portion on our website that just allows, and if you have, we're looking for any kind of support, sponsors, um, but also, you know, we want to hopefully do broadcasts and, and photography and all the, the, the pieces that go to make your club and your sport and your team um, a little bit more professional in the eyes of, of, you know, the, both the students and the players, but also the fans. Um, we have a lot of people wanting apparel, but you know, how to do apparel sales and everything. So we're really, if you have any questions and just want to help out and get involved, that would be the best way is to, to email us and, and follow us on social media and, um, you know, just keep, keep supporting us. It's been a great ride and we, we look to really, continue our growth as we finish up this season, continue into our, yeah, into postseason. Well, sound, sounds good. I, I know that we'll be paying here attention or paying attention over here at Rock Chop Talk. Um, I, I think we'll, we'll try to, you know, have you guys on at least semi-regularly, maybe bring some of the players or, or some of the other staff on to kind of talk about their stories in, in, in relation with the club and, uh, you know, kind of kind of get some, Initial coverage there for you guys. So it was it was it was great talking with you tonight. Um, let's see. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And yeah, we we'd love to have uh, future conversations. Yeah, definitely we'd love it. So it looks like the next uh, let's see the next batch of games you guys have would be against University of Arkansas uh, next weekend, so October twentieth and twenty first. Yes. It looks like you guys have a big long stretch of home games uh, against starting with uh, Creighton that next weekend. So. Yes, this Creighton and Nebraska no, following. Where is that at? I'm not familiar with all the different yeah. arenas. Yeah, um, so it's at Independence Event Center or Silverstein Eye Center now, um, right off 70 uh, in, in 291. So right over, it's it's east of, it's kind of by the ballparks by Arrowhead and um, and Kaufman. If you keep going east, it's over there. So that's, that's kind of our home rink right now, and, and they've been really great to, to – facilitate our, our our team so sounds good so anyone listening in the uh, lawrence or, or kansas city area can definitely uh try to try to make it out to support the team when they when they come home and, and start that play and actually it looks like you guys are playing every weekend uh through the middle of november starting starting next weekend there so um, yep. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll, I know I'll definitely be paying attention, and, and I'm hoping that our readers will be paying attention too so we can uh, see some, some good results from you guys. So, Andy, thanks again for joining me. Thank you, Andy. Appreciate it. All right, have a good one. You too. And welcome back. Uh, we just finished up an interview with the Jayhawk Hockey Club team. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's great to hear from those guys. It's obviously a team that we want to support a little bit more as we can. Um, obviously, Fetch is a little excited about that because, you know, he loves hockey. He's probably the biggest hockey fan I think we have on this fight at this point. Um, but, you know, it's, it's always good to hear more about the different KU teams that we have, and I, I'm sure we're going to try to get even more um, differing teams on here at some point. So, but enough about that. Let's go ahead and jump into what I what I'm sure just absolutely must be the highlight of everyone's you know Friday podcast coverage is the look ahead to the KU football game, right, Mike? No, don't do this to yourself, Andy. Uh, stop. I, I, I'm trying to be positive, but it's just so hard. I, I no, you could not you hear that? that with a straight face. Can you hear that? That's people. That's people closing their browsers. They don't want to listen to this. Uh, well, you know, I guess we kind of have to talk about it a little bit. We'll, we'll, we'll try to keep it somewhat brief. <laughs> so, real quick, I, I mean, I'm not going to make this a, a, a 10-word segment and, and just ask you who do you think is going to win the game because I think we all know the answer. But, you know, first of all, did you watch any of the uh, Iowa State upset over Oklahoma? Uh, no, I did not. And let me explain to you why. Because I hate myself, and I was in Memorial Stadium watching Kansas lose 65-19 to 19 to the eighth-place team in the conference. Eighth-place? Oh, yeah. That's a little hard to imagine that they're the eighth-place team in the conference. And I don't know if they are actually the eighth-place team in the conference, but that's where I expect them to finish. So. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That makes a little bit more sense now. But, yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I actually kept flipping over to the game because I was watching from my – wonderful home here in Virginia, um, which I was still so, you know, I'm shocked at how many Kansas games they actually show out here for some whatever reason. I guess they, you know, people out here in Virginia are masochists and just like to be punished by having to watch that. But um, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> so I was flipping over to that, that game, and, you know, as I was watching it, it was just, it was so weird to see a team that, you know, everybody thought was an Iowa State team that was improving but still had a lot of serious issues. And they just, I mean, they kept rolling with whatever Oklahoma gave them. And Oklahoma got up, but I don't think that they were ever up by more than a couple touchdowns. But Iowa State was just matching them play for play and then just magically at the end of the, you know, the fourth quarter finally got stops and were able to pull ahead. And, I mean, I was just, I was really impressed by what they were able to do. Obviously, it wasn't a good sign to see them having such a phenomenal performance right before they come to play us, or I'm sorry, before we go to play them. Um, you know, they have a quarterback that seems to have come out of nowhere. Uh, they have, you know, so a, a group of wide receivers that are playing really well. The defense is playing a lot better than I thought. I mean, still gave up a ton of points to Oklahoma, but I can't imagine there's going to be very many teams that wouldn't give up a bunch of points to an, an offense like that. So. I mean, I'm just – I'm not seeing anything in terms of what Kansas can attack to be successful. And I'm definitely not seeing any way that our defense is going to stop them. I mean, is, is there anything that would give you any kind of optimism or anything going into this game at all? 
I, the defensive line got a couple of sacks and a fumble against Texas Tech. I, I, I don't. I don't know what you want from me here. The the secondary is a, is in shambles. They've been, you know, quote unquote miscommunicating all year long. Is the story we get from the coaching staff. Well, fix it already. Like, come on, it's week six, right? It's week six. Like, right. Fix it already. Why are guys not on the same page? It's yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's bad coaching. It's I don't think the players are bad. And I don't think the players are bad at all. I just don't think they're being put in a position to succeed. Yeah, and I thought it was kind of strange. Uh, I saw an article by Jesse Newell where he, um, I believe it was Jesse Newell, he he gave the or showed highlights of the game where you know KU got beat on three big touchdowns um, to a to a a right. coach, and I don't he didn't say who who the coach was, and I you know didn't expect him to, but I thought it kind of weird that the the verdict on each of those was had nothing to do with what the coach's input. It was a miscommunication or a guy made a bad read or I think there was the other one where like the guy just got beat and I'm like, well, so basically what you're saying is, you know, with these three touchdowns that absolutely none of it was on coaching because that was the diagnosis there, you know, was basically guys just didn't do their job, but I don't know that it was necessarily that, that issue. It's like, well, if, you know, if the guys are not doing the right read, that means that the coaches are not teaching them how to read it correctly. Right, because you know there has to be someone on that on that defense that knows how to read an offense, knows how to read what a wide receiver is doing, knows his assignment that if no one is supposed to get behind him, then you don't let him get behind you. I mean, one of those touchdowns, the guy was literally sitting there, like he was already at the goal line, just stopped and waiting, and you could tell by the time the camera got to him, he had been sitting there for at least three full seconds. Like, he was just there, and the ball floated to him, and nobody was anywhere near where they should be. And, I, I mean, you, you can say a guy missed an assignment. You can say that, um, you know, that, that somebody did something they weren't supposed to, but that has to at least be partly blamed on the scheme because there's no way a guy sneaks out there without you having something schemed to pick him up. And, you know, it, it, it's to the point now, and I'm not saying anything bad about Jesse because, you know, he can only really say what the coach tells him his diagnosis is for. But it almost, you know, it almost sounds like it's coaches not wanting to throw other coaches under the bus when really, you know, I think anybody who's watching can tell that there's definitely something wrong with the coaching. And so to come back with an article like that and not even, you know, question the fact that you're being told it's all players, um, it's just, I mean, it's, it's too much of people – not holding this administration or not holding the athletic department, not holding the coaching staff accountable for the mistakes that they're making. Yeah, we have young guys on defense. We have inexperienced guys on defense. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're now six games into the season. We're, we're ha- almost halfway through the season. They should have p- picked up something by now. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with any of that. All right. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think I even need to ask what your prediction is. I mean, I, so why don't, we, why don't we go this way? Do you think Kansas – I mean, the, the spread, I believe it's a 21-point spread in favor of Iowa State. I think that was what it was the last time I looked, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, I mean, do you think there's any way Kansas even comes close to covering the spread? I mean, maybe. Uh, Iowa State's probably – well – Maybe not. I mean, I I don't know, man. Like, I, I thought Iowa State would be the ninth best team in this conference, and we just got whooped 
by 42 points by the team that I thought was one step above them. And now you kind of look at everything and you think maybe Iowa State and Texas Tech probably have similar profiles. I don't know. I haven't looked at it. Yeah, but maybe they're close I'm, to each other. I'm, I'm pretty sure you don't mean that they're eighth and ninth. I'm pretty sure you mean seventh and eighth because I can't imagine you putting Baylor or us above either of those two teams. Uh, yeah, that's true. I guess Baylor's probably ninth. So uh, I, I, we we are definitely tenth, and it's not even close. Like you know, you know when you look at a standard deviation chart and it has the the outliers way on the left, like that's us. Yeah, you know it's it's kind of funny because. I kept telling myself all year long that, you know, Baylor has a shot of being the worst team. But, um, you know, and that still may be the case because Baylor is absolutely atrocious this year. But I just, I mean, I think that that's going to be like the, you know, quote, unquote, toilet bowl of the of the entire season. You know, we had one of those last year with Rutgers. Uh, it was last year, wasn't it, that we played Rutgers? <laughs> was it last year or two years ago? I don't remember now. I think it might have been two years ago, maybe so, first year. The memory was so bad that I've locked it out. I mean, that was supposed yeah. to be a competitive game only because both teams were horrible and we got completely stomped. So I'm feeling that that's probably what's going to happen in the game against Baylor is that, you know, both of the teams are absolutely horrible, but one of them is going to get completely stomped and make the other one look confident. And I don't have any confidence that we're going to be the team that looks confident. So, yeah, right, exactly. I looked it up. Iowa State is, is a 22-and-a-half-point favorite as of right now. Um, so people are betting on Iowa State because I know it opened up at either 21 or 21-and-a-half. Right. So, so many, and I wonder how much of that is an overreaction to Oklahoma win, which I'm don't get me wrong, that was a great win for them. Oh, yeah. But, like, how, how much of that is an overreaction that then it's Kansas and they – gave up 65 points and they couldn't yeah. stop Mac offenses and well, I, mean, like, I, I mean if you have to bet on it if you're betting the house you you take Iowa State the points like um, yeah, probably. or Iowa State to cover I guess you don't take Kansas for the points because they just haven't shown you any reason to do so yeah yeah I mean the the ESPN football power index gives Iowa State a 95.3 percent chance to win holy crap I mean usually I I found that the that football power index tends to overinflate the chances of the underdog winning. Um, you know, just in, in my own limited sample of when I've looked at them and actually paid attention to them. So I have no confidence at all that Kansas is going to get anywhere close. You know, I would honestly be surprised if Kansas was able to score enough points that the spread is. So, like, you know, I, I have a hard time imagining Kansas scoring more than 22 points. Scoring 20, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not confident at all in this game. Um, you know, we'll we'll get our predict our official predictions out tomorrow, um, and yeah, so that'll that'll be a lot of fun to see that. So, all right, I think we've talked enough about football. Um, you know, Monday we'll probably have something to talk about. I'm not sure that it's going to be anything good. Maybe something will happen that we can at least turn into a few podcasting minutes. But all right, so this weekend we have Texas is uh, coming to visit Kansas, at least. If if this is set up the way I think it is, the football team is traveling on Saturday to go play, obviously at against Iowa State, and then we have uh, cross country as well. Women's soccer is also hosting Baylor on Sunday in the afternoon, and the golf team or the golf squad is in action, um, and that's all I have. Um, just a note coming up: we are. I actually am trying to get in touch with uh, Jill Dorsey Hall so we can get her on the podcast. I would love to actually talk with her. Um, hopefully that'll happen sometime next week or the week after, um, but we'll definitely get that done. Um, and then, you know, I, I also want to hear from, from our listeners, 
um, you know, who, who do you want me to try to get as a guest on the podcast? It can be anybody, um, you know, KU related um, or, you know, really, I mean, anybody you guys would like to listen to that could, that could give us some sort of KU take. So it doesn't necessarily have to be like a KU beat writer or anything like that, but somebody who can, who can uh, kind of give us a little bit of time to talk about um, KU related topics. So I'm, I'm definitely open to suggestions on that. You know, and I mean, even if we have any listeners that really want to get on the podcast that want to come and, and give some opinions, if you have a topic that you really are, are passionate about, really want to talk about, let me know and then we can work something out. Um, you know, this is a, this is a podcast, I think, uh, for a, obviously it's, it's for a site that's all about the fan voice and the fan interaction. So we definitely want to hear from you guys and want to give you guys an opportunity to use this as an extension of that, uh, to talk about things that the fans think are important. Um, you know, to, to give that unique fan experience and that fan perspective. So um, definitely send me an email or send one to the, to the website's email. Um, you know, make, make sure you guys follow us on, uh, on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, Twitter is at Rock Chalk Talk. And Facebook, I believe it's facebook.com slash Rock Chalk Talk. Uh, Mike, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, either way, well, I'm going to start putting links to these in the show notes and in, and in everything here. So we'll, so we'll have all that. But... Um, so, for those of you that are that are braving the experience of watching the football team this weekend, good luck. Uh, I haven't just quite decided yet. I'm sure I'll probably end up watching it somewhat just so I can talk about it next week. But, uh, good luck to those that are watching it from start to finish. And uh, make sure you guys catch us next time. We, we will be back with you next week on the Rock Chalk Talk podcast. Thanks. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.